Hey everyone, this is Achuta Bhava from Nightlight Astrology. Happy June, everybody. After going over some of the highlights of the month, we are going to dive in right away today by looking at Mercury and Saturn refraining from a square that they are about to make. They're not going to make the square because just as they're about to make it, Mercury will turn direct and Saturn will turn retrograde. It's a concept called refrenation. It has a, a pretty famous place in horary astrology, but it's a concept that can be applied to any type of astrology. We'll be going over that concept today and uh, taking a look at 10 possible interpretations of Mercury and Saturn refraining from a square uh, in order to give you a sense of how you might see that combination showing up for you guys this week really all the way through the rest of this week into the weekend. So that is our agenda for today. Don't forget to like and subscribe, share your comments in the comments section, click on the notification bell for updates. That all, all of that helps the channel to grow. As you guys know, transcripts of my daily talks can also be found on my website, which is nightlightastrology.com. You now have just about 10, 11 days left to sign up for my new class, Ancient Astrology for the Modern Mystic, which you will find on the website. Under the courses page, click on the first year course, scroll down to learn about everything that is included in the program. There's a live Q&A video with some alumni if you want to hear former students talking about their experience. If you have any questions whatsoever about the class, feel free to email us info at nightlightastrology.com. And don't forget year two and horary classes are also starting June 11th and 12th, especially horary since we're going over a horary concept today. Uh, it's a great class to take to sharpen your predictive skills. Uh, you do have to, you do need a background in traditional astrology. You need to know dignities and traditional understandings of houses, aspects, things like that. So if you've never taken a traditional astrology course or ancient astrology course, uh, you would probably want to start with year one. But if you've already had some of that and you really want to study horary, feel free to jump into that as well. You can learn more about that under the horary course tab on the website. Uh, in this class, we have 30 online webinars, 12 guest lectures outside of those 30 webinars. We have eight breakout study sessions, a forum discussion with tutoring staff that are there year round, a lot of bonus material, lots of ways to deepen your study of astrology. Many people come through this program and end up practicing professionally for other people reading charts. Many people take it because they just can't get enough astrology. And it is a deeply transformative thing to study ancient astrology for a year. You're basically developing the ability to read and understand astrology for yourself, which you know, even though I love making this content for other people and I know that love that I, I love astro different astrologers and rely on more than just myself, it is also hugely helpful to be able to take note of the transits and track them in my own birth chart with my own understanding. You're developing your own understanding, your own way of speaking the language is an incredible thing to do for yourself spiritually, intellectually. So that's my pitch for you in terms of, you know, why to study. Uh, you can scroll down to the bottom. There's an FAQ section. Check that out. There's an early bird payment. You can use that for the last, you know, 10 days or so up until the week of class starting. Uh, there's a payment plan. You can stretch it out over a year. There's also need-based tuition. If for any reason the class is outside of your price point, please take advantage of that. Uh, it's something we try to, we do to make sure that astrology is accessible for people. So whatever your situation may be, you know, we have single parents, people who are on disability or a fixed income in retirement. So Whatever, whatever your situation is, tell us about it by clicking on the apply button and we'll be uh, glad to uh, try to work with you. Okay, so what is a refrenation? That is the topic of the day. Let me go ahead and put the real-time clock up so I can show you what it looks like and then we will talk about what it means and then 10 possible interpretations, things you may notice as the week goes on. So uh, the first thing that I need to do is get my grab my little pen. Let's see if I can manage to not turn it into a, 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 a giant. 
it seems that like every fourth time I use my pen, it's like the size of the sky. So here is Mercury in the sign of Taurus at about 26 degrees. It is retrograde. Here is Saturn at about 25 degrees. So they are within, they are engaging with one another once planets get to within three degrees of making a perfect partile aspect. They're said to be in, in an engagement, which means that the events related to the two planets coming together are likely to start manifesting. So you can see some manifestation of Mercury square Saturn right now, but it's when they actually perfect that it, it sort of seals the deal. So right now, through Mercury's retrograde, it is backing into a square with Saturn, who is in the superior position in terms of the square. Saturn has the sort of dominant influence right now. But what's going to happen? Watch if we advance this by a couple of days. Mercury, you can see the little S now under Mercury is stationing June 2nd. And by the following day, June 3rd, is now turning direct. So what happens on June 4th, now you're going to see a little S popping up under Saturn, which means Saturn is stationing. And then go forward another day, you'll see the S turning red. Go forward another day by June 6th, Saturn is retrograde. Now, by that time on June 6th, Mercury is still at 26 degrees, barely moving forward. It takes it a while to pick up speed again, and it's squaring Saturn within still about one degree. Let's take it forward a couple more days. It's still on June 7th, still squaring Saturn within a degree. Okay, on June 8th, it moves now to 27 degrees. That's still two degrees off. It's going to then move off to the 28th degree and start separating from that three-degree engagement range by June 10th. So you're looking at a... Uh, a, a frustrated aspect. <laughs> this is called a refrenation. It's when two planets are about to make aspect, but one or both of them change directions such that right before the aspect can be made, it is not made because of that change of direction. So the, the meeting that is about to happen doesn't happen because they both change direction. Now, let's, let's talk a little bit about what a refrenation is or how it was talked about. I'm going to read you a so let, and by the way, so there it is again, June 3rd, Mercury direct, June 4th, Saturn stationing slash turning retrograde in, over the next couple of days. So it's back to back, Mercury direct, changing directions. The next day, Saturn station starts to turn retrograde. So it's boom, boom, June 3rd and June 4th. That, that's coming up. That's this week. So um, then overall, what we're saying is that that square is frustrated. It doesn't, it, the two planets don't meet. And so that's called a refrenation. Here's what William Lilly wrote. He said, there's another manner of prohibition by some more properly called refrenation. And then there's an example that he gives, which is lengthy, so I won't hash it out because we have one we've just looked at. He then says, nothing signified by the aspect will ever be affected. Nothing signified by the aspect will ever be affected. It is as though, in other words, and this is from his classical horary textbook called Christian Astrology. The text is not really anything to do with Christianity. It was named that for other political reasons during his day, uh, in a sense. And that's a whole nother story, and a story better told by uh, an astrological historian, uh, someone you know who's more articulate on you know on such um, historical events in the, in the history of astrology. But it's, there's some really interesting podcasts too, I believe. Uh, the Astrology Podcast with Chris Brennan hosts a um, uh, a Christian Lily expert in one previous episode, and he kind of talks about the naming of the text, which is really, it's really fascinating. Um, but the gist of what this means in horary is this. In a horary chart, let's say, for example, that 
um, let me just, I'll just put the, I'm actually going to do this. This will, this will actually, a stroke of inspiration. Here, we're going to look at the real-time clock, and let me just show you what this might mean in a horary. Let's just pretend that this is a horary chart. <clears throat> Let's go, um, I'm going to back this up in time again to the, the moment of the retrograde. So now let us uh, just imagine <clears throat> that we are looking at, um, will my son get into the university? Okay, will my son get into the university? In a horary chart, the son, like if I'm a parent and I'm asking a question about my son, the fifth house, and this is, I have a whole sign horary up and usually in horary I would use uh, Reggio Montanus because that was the quadrant based house system that I learned horary on. But, um, and, and horary is interesting on the subject of house topics. If you ever take my horary class, we spend a lot of time talking about why horary almost seems to work better with quadrant based houses than whole sign but that's it's a really interesting topic but not one I'll dive you know digress into today so if you're asking the question will my son or daughter uh, get into the university that they applied for you go to the fifth house ruler to represent your child in this case that would be saturn and you are uh looking at the ninth house ruler to represent the university that would be mercury the two planets are about to square one another. And if and when they square each other in a horary such as this, that brings the matter about it. It's said to perfect the matter inquired about, which means that you're hoping that they'll get into school. And when you see the signifier of the school, the ninth house ruler, Mercury, coming into contact with the signifier of the child, the fifth house ruler, Saturn, then that would bring about the letter that they get in the mail, let's say, that says, you've been accepted. The university and the child are coming together. In this case, unfortunately, this would be a sad horary, they're refraining from getting together. So let's say instead the child gets a letter and uh, the letter says, well, you know, thank you. We, we had so many applicants, we've put you on a wait list. So they almost got together, but you put on a wait list. Um, Maybe that you, you're even given a number, like you're number 10 or something. So the likelihood is very high that you get in because look at how close they came together. I don't know. But the point is that if you're a sensitive horary astrologer, you look at that refrenation and you go, that prevents the matter from coming about. That's called a refrenation. And what did William Lilly say in the textbook? What did traditional horary astrologers say about such uh, an event? Nothing signified by the aspect will ever be affected. In horary speak, that means that you need to see the perfection of an aspect for two things to get together. Like, will Bobby call me or something? Well, no, Bobby won't call you because the refrain, the two signifiers, if you're Saturn and Bobby is Mercury <laughs> for some reason, right? Then no, sorry, Bobby's not calling because the two aspect, the aspect doesn't actually happen. It needs to actually perfect down to the degree and minute. So... If that doesn't happen, then there's a traditional line of thought that says that something that you're hoping for or wanting or some potential outcome stops right before it's about to be affected and backs away or doesn't end up happening. So broadly speaking, when we don't have a horary context, a question within which to read and assign the signifiers to meaningful moving parts of a question then we're left to broadly interpret the potential meaning of a refrenation, you know, in, in a mundane sense. Like, what could that mean for a billion different people right now? So what I've come up with is a list of 10 possible interpretations to help you 
interpret the meaning of this refrenation in your week because you are likely to see this playing out, especially, by the way, if you have Taurus and Aquarius on any of the four angles by whole sign house, meaning if Taurus is your first house, 10th house, 7th house, or 4th house, that those tend to be a little louder and more dynamic as transits go, which would also place Aquarius into one of your angles. So if you, are a, if you have fixed or solid signs on the angles, maybe a little bit more likely to see this play out in a, in a more dramatic or pronounced way. Or if it's hitting something, if you have planets right around 25 or 26 degrees of solid or fixed signs, same thing, just different name for the same kind of sign, which would be Aquarius, Taurus, Scorpio, or Leo, then you may also notice that those would be the big ones. Maybe there's planets trying, uh, you know, some other uh, another aspect or, or what have you, but it's at that degree, that 25, 26 degree range of solid fixed signs that you would perhaps notice this as well. But even, even, you know, in my experience, the more you study astrological transits, the, in some ways, not in all, all the time, but in some ways you become more sensitive to the, the presence of the transits, regardless of what they're doing in your chart. Certainly you'll feel it a lot more if they're configured to your chart really dramatically, but it's as though the more you study astrology, the more sensitive you become to feeling these archetypal fields moving around anyway. So if you don't feel it, that's not something to get frustrated by. It's a reason to study your chart a little bit more carefully. And also probably in some ways it, it, it's like, you know, almost always it's a part of the process of becoming sensitized to the language of astrology. So, okay. Um, let's go through these 10 possible interpretations of this refrenation. So number one, let's say Mercury Saturn represents a very severe way of thinking. One of the significations of Mercury and Saturn will be like rigid, rigidity of mind and thought and speech. Well, if Mercury and Saturn are about to square one another, but they halt before they can square each other, it is possible that this would mean that a sort of severe way of thinking or a severe conclusion of some kind is uh, sort of halted or stopped in its tracks before taken too far before you can act on it or something like that. So wait a second, I'm being a little extreme here in my thinking or I'm being rigid or something. Something like that could be avoided, which would be a very positive interpretation. A second one would be the backing out of an agreement, a contract, or a vow. Mercury, Saturn can make things very solid. I do in sickness and in health, for example, especially Mercury in a Venus ruled sign. Uh, they're about to say I do, and then you know we 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 decide against it. Mercury, Saturn, we we almost get to a point where we're going to back out of an agreement or a contract or a vow, but then we decide to do it anyway. It could be the reverse. Uh, so, you know, backing out of agreement or almost backing out of an agreement, but deciding to stick with it. Either way, it's just getting to that edge where you either are about to decide to do something, but don't, or you're about to not do something, but you decide to do it anyway. It's, it's getting to that breaking point almost. Number three, and all of these are sort of similar, hesitating and retreating from an obligation or responsibility. Let's say Saturn Mercury represents my word, my vow, my oath, my commitment, my obligation. Uh, Mercury, Saturn coming close to fulfilling that obligation and then backing away from it. Sorry, I can't do it. I told you I would. I know I said I would, but I can't. Something like that. Uh, now, that could be something that's, uh, you know, to watch for in terms of a compromise of your integrity or your word or a promise. On the other hand, it could be refraining from doing something that you really ought not to do that you've committed to do but shouldn't have. Number four is a problem avoided. 
just generally speaking, Mercury and Saturn coming into contact, especially with Saturn in a superior square, could mean trouble. This is just basically, uh, we're a, I'm about to, you know, I'm, I'm about to hit the guardrail here. I'm about to hit something hard, and I end up avoiding it. So if Saturn represents an obstacle, a block, uh, a problem in general, and Mercury is retrograding into it, but then stops and turns direction. Okay, we've avoided a worst case scenario or a problem. A strong decision reconsidered, similar to an oath or a vow, but let's say that you're about to make a really strong choice, but now you've decided, wait, before I make it, I need to reflect. Doesn't mean you won't make it later, but for now, before you make it, you need to step, take a step back. So even that doesn't necessarily mean it's overthrowing something you do later, but for now, there's some need to pause. Number six, sticking to a plan rather than backing out at the last minute. And I sort of included that in number two or three. But um, so let's say you're about to back out of something at the last minute, right? You're like, and the backing out would be the termination of something. Mercury, Saturn as the termination of, again, your word or a contract or a decision or a strategy or an approach. And it terminates. But rather than terminating it, you decide, nope, I'm going to stick with it. So again, I'm just sort of flipping the same thing in different directions. Number seven, the temptation to reduce something sensual to something rational or to reduce something rational to something sensual. Sort of the same thing, but different. The reason for this is that Saturn in an air sign is very rational and Mercury tends to be rational, but in the sign of Taurus, Venus's sign and the moon's exaltation, we could be looking at some interesting blend of trying to sort of reduce something sensual to rational or vice versa. Let me give you an example. So if we have the temptation to reduce something sensual to something rational, let's say I am trying to justify something that I am eating that is not good for me. So I pull up a study that shows that it's good for my pancreas to eat all that chocolate or <laughs> whatever. <laughs> so in some ways, we may try to rationalize as a way of justifying something sensual. Or someone on the opposite hand, could, on the other hand, could say something like, uh, well, your love of chocolate is nothing more than some chemical, you know, some chemical, you know, record track that's skipping in your brain somewhere. Like, well, actually, I love the smell. It's sensual. It's embodied, you know. Chocolate is romantic. There's a whole imaginative uh, cultural dimension to chocolate, but you're just trying to reduce it down to chemicals and impulses and appetite. You see what I mean? Um, on the other hand, there are people like, okay, let's say that you're, uh, let's say that you're at dinner with some friends and you're trying to explain an idea that's really, really important to you. It means a lot to you, you know? And they're like only interested in eating food. And they're they're like, you know, get out of your head. Just live a little. Like just just be in your body, you know? And you know, just just smell the roses. You, you know, your 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 idea and your is is part of a tendency to be in your head because you're insecure and you're uh, you know, you overcompensate with your intellect or something like that. So the potential to try to reduce the rational to the sensual or the sensual to the rational in either direction could be almost like a like a temptation that appears right now as a way of justifying something or avoiding someone or something i would that's a little bit complicated but i hope that makes sense number eight avoiding a bottom line or a rock bottom you know sometimes we have to hit rock bottoms this could be the thing that it's like it's like a, a 
we're turning around before it gets too bad, which could be hitting a rock bottom. But it also could be, oh, I see where this is going. And if it goes any farther, I'm really going to bottom out here. So I need to change direction. I need to course correct. So avoiding a bottom line or a rock bottom or hitting some kind of barrier or boundary that causes you to change directions. Number nine would be a problem solved just in the nick of time, meaning not so much that you avoid a problem, but that you find a solution to it before you know the detonator goes off and uh, there's some disastrous consequence. So a problem solved just in the nick of time. Or 10 would be any kind of overly rigid mentality that you become aware of in yourself, at work, and, you know, in a relationship. Doesn't mean, you know, you condemn anyone or like, you know, but just, I, I find that there's, I, I love it when I become aware of that kind of stuff because it usually means that there's an opportunity to change the way I'm thinking about something, right? So I don't know, like, I realize sometimes in the way that I parent or, you know, in certain relationships or even the way that I do astrology, like, oh, wow, I've been thinking about that really narrowly, you know, and all of a sudden something happens to like expose the narrowness of, you know, the way that I approach something or do something. And then it's like, oh, okay. And now I have the opportunity to make a meaningful shift because I've, I've the some underlying pattern of narrowness or constrictiveness in thinking or actions has been exposed and and somehow there's an opportunity for reform or change. So I, I see these as 10 possibilities, but I really welcome your interpretations. Um, don't forget to share your stories using the hashtag grabbed or write to us grabbed at nightlightastrology.com. Tell us how you're seeing the reformation play out between Mercury and Saturn this week, because I'm just trying to provide a template. You know, as I always say, we're, we're turning that archetypal jewel um, I have been accused at times in the past uh, for being sort of elementary in the way that I break things down. Um, but in my experience, it is the elementary played out, like the most fundamental basic things that you just keep turning them and turning them and turning them. And you start to learn and, and detect and feel like nuance. And to me, like I'm just, I'm someone who I'm always curious and I'm always discovering something new in the simple things. That's just a part of my, you know, my wiring. And I'm not saying it's the only way to do things, right? But so trust me when I say that uh, I have no doubt that these simple ways that I've broken it down can be elaborated upon. And that's where all of you come in. What would you add to this list? Um, how would you elaborate upon it? Or what are you seeing in your experiences this week that refine your understanding of the aspect I learn something new every time that I read what you guys are experiencing, every time that I talk to clients and see how these things are playing out. So my list is always a working list. It's always uh, my little, you know, steam coming out of the brainstorming office uh, every every morning. So um, I, I always appreciate hearing from you guys. Hope that you'll have some good things to share there. Don't forget to like and subscribe, share your comments. Uh, don't forget, you can find a daily, daily transcripts of all of my talks on my website, nightlightastrology.com you can also learn more about my upcoming class, Ancient Astrology for the Modern Mystic, which starts on June 12th, just a few days away now. So we're really excited about that. Can't wait to see you. We're getting to know each other in the forum discussion already. People introducing themselves. Not too late to jump in at all. We still have, you know, a good, what, uh, 11 days left before class starts. So I hope to see some of you there and we will see you again tomorrow. Take it easy, everyone. Bye.